quick scouts bummed about the humidor And pick your milk for breakfast cereal Mount Rushmore They'll be there for you There's a non-zero chance back everybody it's 2019 hope you had a good end of 2018 i know you haven't heard from us in a while but we're back on the fantasy baseball today podcast i'm chris towers here with scott white scott how's it going it's going great chris we don't have a screaming child in the background anymore (laughs) my one-year-old has resumed napping like a one-year-old should nothing better uh, i'm in a good mood i'm in nothing better than a than a baby sleeping Yes. yes. I, uh, Sleeping like a baby. I was, at be... a, I was at a child's birthday party this weekend for a child who frankly does not like me. He's two oh, years geez. old and he cries every time he sees me. The um, beard. I think so. Like you have a furry animal on your face. Yeah, he gets really, really upset every time he sees me. But I was at his birthday party. I'm fine. I'm, I'm an adult. I can, I can, you know, I can deal with it. Have um, you ever worn a hat around a bird? <laughs> that is that is an experience sir. they do not take well to that they think you're being consumed by an anaconda just like birds you know and who have like an affinity for you or just random birds just kate well i mean it, i'm i'm sure a wild bird would fly away but a caged bird if they see you in a hat particularly if they're used to seeing you without a hat it doesn't it doesn't go well I've never had a bird for a pet, so I'll have to take your word for it. We should talk about baseball, Scott. It's been, what, two weeks, three weeks since the people have heard from us? It's been a while. Yeah, we've been getting tw- we've been getting tweets. And They're disappointed in us. A lot has happened. Let's start off the show. We're gonna pre we're gonna take a look at the outfield rankings for Scott, his early outfield rankings, full top three hundreds and auction values should be available to you on CBSSports.com. By the end of next week. So that's exciting. And uh, we're going to go through Scott's top 24 outfielders. I've got some questions about the position. But we're going to start by recapping all the news that we've missed over the last couple of weeks. Beginning with... Scott, can I get a drum roll? Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have not signed yet. Oh. We're doing this again. Um, well, I think the more disappointing part is that uh, Harper l- looks like he's going, like the, the Nationals seem to be in the lead now. So that's always boring when the big yeah. free agent just goes back where he came from. Good for the Nationals. Uh, yeah. Uh, Manny Machado, he's still doing meetings. It sounds like the White Sox and Phillies are kind of in on both of them. Um mm-hmm. Doesn't sound like the Yankees are in on either of them. They're lurking. Dodgers. They could still surprise. Dodgers are in, but there hasn't actually been a lot of smoke there, surprisingly. Yeah. Uh, But hopefully they'll sign in the next couple of days because we need to figure this stuff out. (laughs) This might drag into February. Uh, Don't they know we have previews to write? They don't care. Uh, They may know, but they don't care. All right. Well, whenever that happens, we will have analysis for you. 
Let's talk about some moves that have actually happened. One, including the Dodgers that we didn't get to. The Dodgers traded three guys from their playoff roster. Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood, plus Kyle Farmer, to the Reds in exchange for Homer Bailey, who I believe was already released, Josiah Gray, and Jeter Downs. Yeah, so, it, was, it was mostly just a dump, right? Yeah, I mean, Josiah Gray and, and Jeter Downs are kind of toolsy 19-year-olds who may become something in 2022, but they're not really... This was about getting salary off. That's a big dump. And yeah. they were immediately connected to uh, Bryce Harper right after this happened, understandably. Yep. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of not a lot of smoke there. Uh, I, I think this is mostly good news in fantasy because it frees up a lot of clutter. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers ha- are the, the, the most platoony organization in baseball, and now they have less opportunities to do that. I'm, I'm most hopeful for Max Muncy because he never should have been sitting against left-handers. His numbers were great against them last year. Uh, so, you know, the Dodgers just had too many options there and ended up sitting him a lot in the second half. That was annoying. Jock Peterson, though, I, I imagine they'll still find a way to platoon him, so his value doesn't go up any. Uh, I'm also, I also think this is pretty good news for Alex Wood and, and even Yasiel Puig. Uh, it's it's a well, hitter's park, well, obviously, but well, Wood is a ground ball pitcher. I think just the fact he's going to be with a team now that doesn't have a lot of proven starters makes him a fixture there in a way he never was for Scott. the Dodgers or, frankly, even the Braves. Uh, before we move on to to the Reds guys, there is one name that you did not mention on the Dodgers. Oh, okay. Who go ahead? I think we probably need to talk about as a potential winner in this trade, and that is uh, top one hundred prospect Alex Verdugo, who really never has had the opportunity to play in the Dodgers lineup on a consistent basis. He's appeared in fifty two games, hasn't hit well in the majors, but. This is a guy who has consistently run up 300 or better batting averages, including a 321 average in 208 games at AAA. Now they do play uh, in the PCL, so that's inflated, but this is a legitimate, like, what would you say, a seven-hit tool player? Yeah, I mean, he makes a lot of contact. He has had more walks than strikeouts a couple times in the minors. And that's like he hasn't hit for a lot of power, a lot of home run power. And that's, you know, kind of critical to to have significant fantasy value. I mean, you can be, you know, you can be Nick Markakis without it, I guess. But um, but I'm I'm in, in today's environment. I'm always willing to bet on the guy with a really good hit tool to hopefully discover power once he gets to the majors. Uh, just because it's it's such a power laden environment that that tends to happen a lot. So I'd I'd rather bet on that guy than the guy who already has the proven power but strikes out so much that um, he struggles against he struggles against major league pitching. Yeah, it's kind of like would you rather have an Alex Verdugo prospect or a or a Joey Gallo? Verdugo might be safer. Yeah, but part of the reason I didn't bring him up is because I'm he's a left handed hitter. Mm-hmm. And the, he's he, he kind of has a, a um, he's kind of known for playing lackadaisical defense. Mm-hmm. So I'm still not confident this is going to open up a ton of playing time for him. Maybe it will. 
but um, I'm I'm not I'm not moving him way up my draft boards, even recognizing there's some offensive potential. There. All right, well, let's move on to the Reds guys you want to talk so much about. <laughs> well, like I was saying, Alex Wood I think has a firmer rotation spot now than he's ever had before. Uh, whether he's durable enough to make good on it is is a fair question to ask, but he's a ground ball pitcher, so I don't think the environment's going to hurt him much. I think he's, uh, you know, somebody worth drafting among the top 40, 50 starting pitchers probably. Oh, definitely, and, I think. And Puig. Yeah. I mean, he's really turned things around the past couple of years, but kind of similar to Wood, hasn't been in a position to to make the most of that because you know for for much of last year he was batting eighth yeah uh yeah i mean be in the middle of that lineup now he had a 824 op or 821 ops last season 23 homers 15 steals and only 125 games but he only had 60 runs and 63 rbi like you mentioned mostly a result of where he was batting. Same with 2017, 28 homers and, uh, a, and you know, an 830 OPS, but only 72 runs and 74 RBI. He's probably going to hit in the heart of this lineup. Hey, going to Cincy, I, I mean, I think a 30-20 season is is possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm more excited realistic. to draft him than I've probably been since his sophomore season. Uh, so that's good. Now, there is one bit of potentially very bad news here Mm -hmm. regarding Jesse Winker. Yep. And uh, maybe the Reds recognize that Matt Kemp really doesn't deserve to play over Jesse Winker, but Matt Kemp is a name. The Reds, the Reds don't, well, don't normally get name brand players like that. And he was an all-star last year. It's worth saying. It's not just Jesse Winker. It's also, complicates Nick Senzel's uh, path to the majors into a regular playing role because he was a top 10 prospect in baseball last season. I think he broke his wrist uh, or had a ligament issue in his hand, something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's a guy that the Reds have made a big point of trying to get him as much, you know, kind of the Scott Kingery uh, approach that the Phillies took last season where, you know, they, they've played him at second base, third base, uh, I think shortstop in the minors, uh, as well as it sounds like they're going to have him playing center field in spring training. So they want, it seems like they want him to be a versatile guy that they can find playing time for, but I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, that's, uh, the, it may delay his arrival. Yeah, and he's coming off surgery, um, so maybe they don't. I mean, I, I assume they'd probably want to wait until mid-April to bring him up anyway, just yeah. for, uh, you know, to keep the to get the extra year of of team control there. Uh, but if he's if he's versatile enough to play center, um, yeah, it, I I still imagine he'll spend most of the year in the majors. It just it just complicates the at bat situation, as you said. I mean, I think Winker and Senzel both will be better than Kemp and Shebler. Yeah. But Kemp and Shebler deserve to play enough that it's I don't know, it's going to be it's going to be complicated. And there's it's not gonna, an and, obvious... and Winker I'm most like Winker I'm most sad about because that's one that's one of my favorite sleepers or breakouts or whatever you want to call him heading into this season. What he was doing before having uh that 
torn labrum and a shoulder repaired uh, that last month. It was Joey Votto like, and uh, he's basically been baby Votto. He's played 136 yeah. games in the majors, only 14 home runs, so not a ton of power, but 299 average, only 70 strikeouts in 471 games, 397 on base percentage, 460 slugging overall. And like mm-hmm. you said, last season, he got off to a pretty slow start. I don't think he hit a home run until the 45th game of the season. So that wasn't great. But from that point on, he played 45 games, hit seven homers, had a 1,005 OPS. Yeah, and, and it's not just the walk to strikeout thing. The, the, the comparison with Votto doesn't end there. You look at the whole batted ball profile, yep. line drive rate, very reminiscent. A guy who should be like a 400 OBP guy consistently. And the knock on him has always been power, but it's been better in the majors than it was his last couple years in the minors. And when he had this shoulder surgery, he said this is something that's afflicted him for the past couple years. Well, you look back at his minor league history, he started out as a pretty good power hitter. So I can't help but wonder if there's a a connection there. I think he also had a wrist injury uh, a couple years ago. He did. He was banged up the last couple of years in the minors. So I think I think the ceiling is very high. And look, if he if he, uh, it, you know, it, coming off shoulder surgery, maybe they want to ease him in anyway. If he performs the way I think he can, then this will take care of itself. All right, let's move on to some of the other moves that have happened, starting with the Mariners signing Yusei Kikuchi, uh, career 281 ERA in the. Nippon Baseball League out in Japan, 21.6% strikeout rate. Weirdly, not great control. You know, when we when we talk about guys coming over from Japan, I think that's one of the one of the things we expect is good command profile, but he's actually walked 8.9% of batters in his career. It's been a little better over the last couple of seasons. He was really good in 2017, saw a big jump in strikeout rate, but then he returned back to his previous levels last season i'm not terribly excited about him as a fantasy option i don't know about you i'm not either i'm not either it's like i i don't worry so much about the control because i think that's that's something he's he's mostly gotten a handle on the past couple years but i just don't think he's um overpowering enough to really measure up like maybe he could be um a Hiroki Kuroda type uh but I don't even think he's good as like a Kenta Maeda who would be great if he got more con you know consistent innings and maybe Kikuchi will get those innings Maeda doesn't but I I don't think skill wise he's on the same level and he has a pretty concerning injury history he's suffered from Nagging shoulder soreness, including uh, a bout that kept him out for about a month last season, um, affected his velocity early on. Throws about 92 miles an hour on average, but another thing to keep in mind, there might be some hype about him coming in as a sleeper. The Mariners have also already said they will limit his workload this season. Um, so, you know, we could be looking at a I hate to make the comparison to another Japanese pitcher, but a Kenta Maeda situation where uh, he's good. I think Kenta Maeda might profile as a better pitcher, mm-hmm. um, but he might not have the innings to really make a difference. It might, might be a guy who's more valuable in a roto league 
where he can help you out with the uh, with the rate stats. Uh, moving on, Nelson Cruz signed with the Twins. We saw just a little dip in Nelson Cruz's production last season, but he remains, you know, kind of a a David Ortiz esque ageless wonder. What do you think about him in Minnesota? Yeah, I have no reason to suspect a drop off other than he's a year older and he's thirty eight. Yeah, exactly. It, it it could happen any year, but I don't think this move really changes uh, the the likelihood of that. I the Twins have really been hitting the bargain bin this off season, yes. and uh, they're they're going to be an interesting team next year. They got Jonathan Scope when his value was at an all time low. Yep. Uh, nobody wanted CJ Crone, even though he hit 30 homers last year. He's there. Uh, Michael Pineda should be ready to go after they, they actually made that bargain signing last year. He pitched in the majors last year, right? Uh, he made like one or two appearances at the end. He may have. He did not. Nope. Didn't. Nope. I know that was the plan. They were talking about calling him up after September call-ups. He pitched. Only 12 innings in the minors last season, so probably not going to be at full strength, but we've seen when he's on, he's very good, Michael Pineda. And then the latest signing for the Twins, maybe their closer, Blake Parker. Mm-hmm. They got him for $15 million less than uh, uh, um, than the, their, the rival White Sox got Kelvin Herrera for. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure they didn't get the better pitcher in Blake Parker. Plus, they have the most interesting man in baseball. Who's that? Williams Astudillo. Oh yes, projected to begin in the minors. So. <laughs> Spoiler alert: He's in let, my top 100. Let prospects. my big beefy baseball boy shine. All right couple other news and notes before we move on to some of the closer signings, some of the recent trades. Danny Salazar will not be ready for the start of the season. I just, at this point, maybe worth a reserve round pick, but he might just be a reliever. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I will be surprised if he becomes like an all-star caliber pitcher at this point. Like, yeah, I'm I'm betting against him. Here's a really interesting one. I'm fascinated by what happens with this. The Tigers are likely to trade Nicholas Castellanos. We've talked about how we've talked a lot about how Comerica Park is a weird place to hit. I don't know if it's a bad place to hit, but we see these really impressive batted ball numbers from Detroit Tigers players that don't necessarily lead to uh, the big numbers that you might expect, Nicholas Castellanos is kind of the poster boy. He's been good the last couple of years, but, you know, the the batted ball profile, you know, he looks like a like a baby J.D. Martinez. And we haven't seen that from him yet, but if he goes to a park that might be more conducive to hitting, I could see a really big breakout for him. I think he had kind of that year last year. He had a 361 BABIP which you would normally say is lucky, but his batted ball profile, it's, it's yeah, he pretty had believable. Like a, he had a 25% line drive rate or something, 29%. Yeah, yeah. you, you use J.D. Martinez comparison. I, it, it, to me, it's, it's reminiscent of Freddie Freeman. Sure. Um, 
but he's you know he he strikes out so much that he kind of needs that high Babbitt to be a good but an above average batting average hitter, which me, he was last year. It's more the the power. I think there could be more latent power. Like he's never had a home run to fly ball ratio above fifteen percent. And this is a guy who pretty consistently logs forty five percent uh hard hit rates. So for some reason Comerica's driving that down. If he goes to a better park, I think we could see a thirty five homer season for him. That's interesting. Yep. That is interesting. Um, yeah. All right. It'll be interesting to see what the Tigers get for him because his he's such a bad defender. Yeah. In right field or especially third base. that and Nobody wars, gets anything in trades now. Well. <laughs> Unless the Mets are involved. The Mets, we'll get to those deals now. The Mets have been just throwing around prospects in weird ways. So let's let's do a little segment called Do These Deals Matter? Scott. Does it matter that Anibal Sanchez signed with the Nationals? No. Um, you don't buy what he did last season. I have him around 80th in my starting pitcher rankings. So in certain mixed leagues, I guess I advise drafting him. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't situation, I guess because. All of last year, we couldn't figure out what was making him successful, uh, but it lasted all year. So we, could, we couldn't really find what was making him unsuccessful either, you know? I think I just don't trust him. I think he swapped out his slider for a cutter last season. Um, you know, similar in a way to what um, Nathan Ovaldi did. Um, now he didn't see quite the dramatic improvement mm-hmm. they Evaldi did but you know struck out 24.4% of batters that's his highest rate ever uh only 7.6% walk rate that's it, interesting cuz he he had a year where he led the league in K per 9 right am i remembering that right i don't know i don't know <laughs> uh i mean he's 34 huge he's injury he's got to be history. 35 by opening day uh, his pure stuff has been on the decline for a few years. Maybe the cutter is helping him have kind of a last gasp here, but I think it could end as soon as it, um, you know, as, just as quickly as it began. All right. He, you... he had 10K per nine once the year he finished fourth in AL Cy Young voting, but that didn't lead the league. He led the league in FIP that year. Uh-huh. Does this deal matter? David Robertson signs with the Phillies for two years. Yeah. I think he'll leave the team in saves. They have already said they are not going to have a traditional ninth inning person. They also said that last year. And and they didn't. They didn't. They they did for stretches. It it was like they were quick with the with the hook. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they they went into the season with a pretty established closer and blew up. And then Sir Anthony Dominguez was mostly the closer. Yeah. And. I think I think all of because I doubt they're 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 kind of the at the forefront of the closer by committee mm-hmm. like true closer by committee movement. Um, the Astros were kind of trending that way before they got Roberto Ozuna. The Rays are definitely trending that way, and I suspect there there will be more. Uh, but 
I think for all of those scenarios, there will be a lead guy. I, yeah. I mean, they want to save their best pitcher for the highest leverage situation. And but he's their best pitcher. Oftentimes, the highest leverage situation is the ninth inning. A lot of times it isn't, but I would say more often than not, if they're if you know if they get to the ninth inning and they haven't had such a situation yet, they're going to bring in their best guy. Where would you rank him among relief pitchers? Uh, because he's a Philly, he's going to be. And he's still going to help you with ratios. Yeah, I mean he's he's probably going to be outside of my top twenty four relievers. If if I thought he was a like a traditional closer, he'd be in my top fifteen relievers. You know. All right, uh, uh, Zach Britton. Oh, sorry. No, he's consistently dominant. Zach Britton re-signed with the Yankees. That doesn't matter, right? No. The Mets acquired Keon Broxton, who they traded Bobby Wall for, who had a 2.20 ERA and a .87 FIP uh, as a reliever at AAA. He's likely to slot into that really good Brewers bullpen. And Adam Hill, fourth rounder in 2018. I'm not sure Keon Broxton would have been on the Brewers on opening day, but maybe there was a market for him. Uh, does this matter for fantasy? Uh, I think Keon Broxton could end up playing a big role in the Mets outfield. We don't know when Johannes Cespedes is coming back. Yeah, had and, surgery on both his heels. And, um, yeah, so we don't really have a timetable for him. They don't have a true center fielder except for one, Ligaris. Yep. And, um, you know, Broxton could steal a lot of bases. He was twenty twenty two years ago. Yeah, I mean, he strikes out too much. I don't think he's going to be a great hitter, but in Roto Leagues, uh, if, if it looks like he's going to play a lot, he'll be worth a late-round flyer for sure. All right, and the Mets also acquired J.D. Davis and Cody Bohanek, Bohanek for Ross Adolph, Luis Santana, and Scott Manea. Decent prospects, not huge prospects. Uh, Davis... Has never been a top 100 prospect, but he has hit the ball extremely well in the minors. Eight, 989 OPS in 101 games at AAA. Uh, career 884 OPS. Doesn't strike out a ton, especially the last couple of seasons. Does this matter? Yeah, I think it does. I, You know, 25-year-olds who um, never get an honest look in the majors... You know, normally there's a reason for it. The Astros have so many yeah. excess parts, though, that it, it's it's possible he just got passed over. And I think that's what the Mets are bet, betting on. I suspect Todd Frazier is going to be their opening day third baseman, but he doesn't seem to have much left. And uh, I think if J.D. Martina, if J.D. Davis, uh, whether it's at AAA to open the season or coming off the bench, if he shows anything... I suspect that's a swap that could happen, and it, it could end up being he could end up being a surprise contributor in 2019. Certainly, the kind of player that uh, will get a lot of sleeper attention in NL only leagues. Are we still expecting Peter Alonso to be the Mets' starting first baseman after two weeks or so? I expect that. Yeah, he probably could have stepped into that role at the end of last season. Yes, but. Financially, it didn't make a lot of sense. Ton of power potential there. His average exit velocity is uh, compares to some of the elite players in the majors. So, um, yeah, a lot of power potential there. That's Peter Alonzo. Uh, loser in this trade, probably Jeff McNeil, who now just doesn't really have a place to play, which is really disappointing. 
because he was awesome at the end of last season. I think a lot of people in the fantasy community were looking forward to him getting a legitimate shot. Um, I just don't see where he plays. Well, I mean, he uh, to this point, he has shown a lot more than J.D. Davis, right? Mm-hmm. In the majors. I, I, yeah. Much worse well, in the minors. I mean, he was great in the minors last year, too. That's why he got the yeah. shot he did. So I don't know that he's behind Davis in the pecking order. He can play third base. Um, but it's it's clear he doesn't have an easy path. You know, it's not like you can just draft him and bank on 500 at-bats. All right, before we move on, I want to tell you about SeatGeek. If you are looking to buy tickets online, you know what to do. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the promo code FANTASY to get 10 bucks off your first purchase. Again, that promo code is FANTASY on the SeatGeek app. I use SeatGeek all the time for tickets because it saves me time and it saves me money. I recently bought tickets to actually going to see Hamilton in two days at the Fort Lauderdale Performing Arts Center, and I'm very excited. And SeatGeek helped me get those tickets. SeatGeek searches multiple sites so you don't have to. SeatGeek gives every ticket a grade based on value. This is how you can immediately identify the tickets that fit your budget and every purchase is guaranteed. So for sports, concerts, comedy, or theater, make sure you use SeatGeek and use the promo code FANTASY to get 10 bucks off your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app. Promo code is FANTASY. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, let's run through a couple more news and notes that probably don't matter very much, but potentially could. The Angels signed Jonathan Lucroy. Is he still a top 12 catcher for you? No, he's not, because I don't think there's a lot of upside there. He may end up getting into the top 10 just because he plays a lot. Yeah, he might like, hit like 280. At season's end, he may wind up there. Yeah. But I'd, I'd rather I'd rather shoot for some upside on he, draft day. He's probably a catcher who doesn't hurt you, and frankly, that's pretty rare at the position. But, yeah. Uh, the Athletics signed Mike Fires coming off a very good uh, season for Mike Fires, and that's a great pace, place to pitch. Does Mike Fires become fantasy relevant here? He's relevant, sure. I don't know that he's much more relevant than like Anibal Sanchez. Sure. Because previous good versions of Fires actually struck out hitters. Last year, not so much. Yeah, he cut the walk rate in half, but this is a guy that just doesn't have great stuff. The The margin for error is so slim. Mm-hmm. But that's a good place to have a slim margin for error. Sure. Uh, the Diamondbacks could trade Robbie Ray. That would... Uh, that would potentially be big. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, you, you usually need three years of, of data to to have a a good sense of what a park change does. But anecdotally, at least, uh, Chase Field was a very good place to pitch last season. Robbie Wright didn't have a great season. Did end up with an ERA under four. Still a ton of strikeouts. Dealt with injuries. But that could be a, a, a boon to his value, right? Yeah, I, I think he's somebody who could benefit from a change of scenery because you know the skills. I mean, very impressive. If if he winds up with in an organization that can... Um, Astros. Imp- exactly. That's <laughs> And they're one of the teams that are linked to him. Yeah, so. the, the Astros have also been linked to Marcus Stroman, which that could be really fun. <laughs> right. A, another pitcher who you feel like isn't quite as good as he should be. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I would follow the Astros to the ends of the earth 
any any pitcher they want, I want. At any this pitcher point. that they acquire, just you move him up like double his draft or yeah, spot. Yeah, I mean, I I talked a big game with Garrett Cole last year. I had him in my breakouts column, but I wasn't actually willing to follow through on it when push came to shove. That that changes now. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki has a full no trade clause from the Yankees for some reason. And this one's really interesting. The Rockies have interest in Brian Dozier. Uh, that could be a, a good, that would definitely be a good spot for a late career Brian Dozier uh, resurgence. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm thinking he could be a big value next year. I, I've been reluctant to really pursue him in early drafts mm-hmm. because considering he ended last year on a bench roll with the overloaded Dodgers, it wasn't 100% clear he'd have an everyday job. But if you just look at the batted ball profile, um, take results out of it, he was pretty much exactly the same hitter he's always been last year. So I think there's definitely something left in the tank. I will say I, I kind of don't want them to start to sign him just because I think Garrett Hampson can be really, really good for fantasy in Colorado. Like that could be yeah. a guy who hits 320 with 50 steals. Um, but Brian Dozier would be fun there too. You know, we know he has a, a solid all around skill set. Right. right. Scott, you want to look into your outfield rankings? Let's take a look. What do we got? No real surprises. Mike Trout, Mookie Betts at the top, JD Martinez, Bryce Harper at uh three and four, Christian Yelich. I think you could probably make a case that Bryce Harper uh, could be swapped with either Yelich or Judge, but we know what the upside there is. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure you wouldn't be making that case, right? No, probably not. But a case could be made, is what I'm saying. I feel like you, certainly, a case could be made. But you are one of the loudest defenders of Harper, as I am. Yeah. I think you're maybe even a little louder. And you're one of the loudest skeptics on Yelich, uh, which is justified. But I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm on the same level with you there. I think the next four guys in the rankings could actually all easily wind up in the top three. Charlie Blackman, who coming off a bad season, but we've seen him be. I think he was the number one hitter in fantasy two years ago. I mean, bad by his standards. He was still a stud. Right. Course Field will prop you up. Uh, even if you're not having a great season. Giancarlo Stanton also had a, a bad season, but he might have been the second best hitter, if not the best hitter in fantasy, with Charlie Blackman two years ago, so we know what the upside is there. And then Ronald Acuna and Juan Soto. I mean, space is the limit for Ronald Acuna, and maybe the sky is the limit for Juan Soto, is how I would put it. <laughs> uh, it it's not. It's not exactly like... Juan Soto doesn't have the upside that Acuna does. Acuna, I think, just has a little more upside. And, and, and here's why. Take what he did in the second half of last season. Translate it out to 150-game pace. He hit 301, 131 runs scored, 46 home runs, 109 RBI, and 34 stolen bases. I mean, eat your heart out, Mike Trout. Yeah. Now, I mean, it never really works that way. <laughs> sure, yeah, that, that's... That's why he's going to go in the first round of drafts. Yeah. Even if you or I might be too risk averse to make that jump. We've seen the upside in action and it's best player in fantasy. Now he strikes out probably too much to really 
hit 300. I think he came with like a 377 BABIP in the second half. Um, he's His stolen bases last year were highly dependent on where he hit in the order. He stole 14 bases out of the leadoff spot, and I believe two in every other spot in the lineup. He mm-hmm. probably leads off for them this season, but it's not a guarantee. It to me, it would be hard to justify him leading off all season. Just, I mean, in a lineup, you never have any runners on ahead of you. I just—he's probably their best power hitter. So I just don't know who else leads off for them. Yeah, I mean, Enciarte has a history of doing it. Albies could do it. Um, if he doesn't know. hit leadoff, where does he hit? Second or third, with Freeman hitting the other spot. They should. Which I mean, like it's it's, I I feel like and, and maybe this is a, a, a an instance where I'm a little too close to it and think I know more than I do. But um, that's my job, the, Scott. The Braves, the Braves have historically, really since the early mid '90s, have not been a team that runs much. And they've had fast players before who they haven't let run much. Like Andrew Jones, they're, you know, maybe the rangiest center fielder ever. I don't think he ever had a 30 steal season. No, I don't Rarely think so. had 20 steal seasons, you know? And Ciarte ran a lot early last season, but that pretty much yep. stopped after May. Right. He, I don't think he made it to 30. Uh, uh, and Acuna but... only ran out of the leadoff spot. And even that was like a 30 steal pace. Plus, not just a Braves thing, but... Usually when a hitter establishes himself as one of your middle-of-the-order guys, he, he, he stops running. Yeah, I, I don't think you can rely on Ronald Acuna as one of your main contributors of steals if we find out in spring training that, like, Josh Donaldson's batting second, Freddie Freeman's batting third, and Acuna's batting fourth. I just don't think there's any way they let him run in that situation. Yeah, too much. So those, those guys are going to be on base. running into outs. Yeah. But, look, I, I, I'll give him 20. Sure. I, I just he's I don't and expect he's going to carry you in the category. I don't think he's going to do. There's a chance the volume he did in the minors. There's a chance. There's a chance, and that's like you say we're risk averse, too risk averse to draft him in the first round, and I think that's that's true. Mostly, I just don't want to mess up my first round pick, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't want to overstate it either because I think I think the downside for Acuna. Um, the realistic worst case scenario. Because obviously there's worse if you want to be unrealistic. But the realistic worst case scenario, if he stays healthy, is probably Justin Upton, which is still, yeah, you know, a high end must start outfielder. But it's obviously not first round material. I, I think you can make the case for him starting at number six. I don't think it's reasonable to take him above Trout, Betts, Ramirez, Lindor, or Arenado. After that, I wouldn't do it. But it's defensible, you know? Yeah. I'm probably not going to have many shares in him because I'm looking at a more late second rounder. So we'll see. Uh, After Acuna and Soto, and we kind of gave Soto short shrift, there's a chance he's the best hitter in baseball for the next (laughs) 10 years. I don't want, like, he could be Albert Pujols. Like, I I like, you know, I I love guys. I've always loved guys who walk about as often as they strike out. And that's that's obviously a, a great thing. And Soto did that as a he was nineteen year old. He was like, the he, best, he had the 19 best nineteen year old, year old season ever. ever. So I don't that should that can't go understated. But the ground ball rate is alarming. Yeah, 
Yeah, he might have been lucky to hit his 22 home runs in 116 games last season. Yeah. Now, now, 19, and who knows how that's going to change. Yeah, and, and the raw power is legitimate. From 2019 on, that may never be an issue again. But looking at it now, I wonder if if we should really be counting on him for the, all the power he showed last year. But he might he might just be the best version of Freddie Freeman. Yeah. Like that that's that's not his realistic downside. His realistic downside is obviously much lower. I would say like last year's Nicholas Castellanos, maybe. Um but the upside is there for him to be an absolute uh four category monster with maybe ten uh, steals. Yeah. Right? It's upsides Pujols. Yeah. Prime Pujols. All right, and let's get to some of the que- we'll 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 skim through some of the other outfielders, but I, I this first question um I think gets to a point. Is outfield not that deep? It's it's kind of weak in the middle, I guess. I I'm kind of of the opinion that outfield will always be deep, whether yeah. you. I mean, there's three guys playing it for every team, right? So there's just so many avenues for somebody to emerge that come season's end, it'll never seem shallow. Um, but I, I mean, we kind of had this discussion last year too. It looked pretty weak going into the season, but then you had guys like Nick Markakis and Michael Brantley, and uh, you know, Yelich was so much better than anybody expected. Acuna and Soto, like there's always so many breakouts there that you get so many bites at the apple in outfield is is really the point, right? It's, it's hard to have a, like, it's hard to play in a three outfielder league and feel like you're not. Yeah. I mean more for five outfield, right? Um, this question might be answered by the order that you rank them. Who is more likely to bounce back, Giancarlo Stanton or Charlie Blackman? You have Blackman one spot higher. Mm-hmm. So I, I assume that's your answer. Yeah. Who's more think... likely to be the number one outfielder? Of those two? Yeah. Blackman. Okay. I think. Uh, the strikeouts are always going to worry me more than anything else for a hitter sure and stan had a ton of them last year and it's you know it's it's hard to predict exactly how he's going to age um sure i could see it getting really ugly yeah i could see it being like a ryan howard situation chris davis yeah uh but i'm not predicting that for stan now i i you know obviously have him an eighth among outfielders you know for all the talk of how bad he was last year he still hit almost 40 homers, right? Yeah. With, did he have a hundred runs, a hundred RBI? Like it was still a really productive season. It just wasn't MVP caliber. And we probably shouldn't expect that again, because that was kind of an outlier in terms of the strikeouts, yep. but 45 home runs, plenty realistic in that park. Uh, I, right. He's still a stud. I just wonder how many more years of that he has left. Does Andrew Benintendi have another level he can reach? I think so. His bad uh, ball numbers last season were ugly. Yeah. But it was kind of a tale of two halves scenario. And I think that that extended to the bad ball profile. Mm-hmm. He hit one of his home runs in the second half. So for half the season, it looked like he had 
yeah. reached another level. Uh, and I, I initially had him, uh, you know, I, I think ahead of Acuna and Soto until I took a closer look at those splits and was like, you know, it was, it was basically my memory of the first half contributing to that because the final numbers weren't much different for, than his rookie season. Is his upside 2018 Christian Yelich? Or is it more like 2017 Christian Yelich? <laughs> yeah, I can't put MVP upside on him. I mean, I didn't even know Christian Yelich's upside was 20. But Christian Yelich yeah. has always hit the ball extremely hard. Andrew Benintendi hasn't. That's the yeah. one, that's the significant difference. The rest of the profile looks pretty similar. Right. Um, I think Benintendi's upside is probably more like A.J. Pollock uh, he was back the, before the injuries started. Yeah, he was the I think he was the number one hitter in base in fantasy one year. Yeah, so may, that may even be too high because <laughs> I don't. He's never run quite that much. Also, a tough tough place to hit for a left handed batter. Yeah. All right. Have we seen the best of Chris Bryant or George Springer? The best? Yes. I'm leaning yes on that. Wow. Yeah, Just I mean, because... Chris Bryant's still only like 25, I think. Mm-hmm. But, but he... the skill profile has moved in the wrong direction. Let's say. Which may be attributable to the shoulder injury he was battling last could, year. Could but... be attributable to the batting coach. You know, there's been a lot of talk uh, that yeah, their batting Davis. coach was focused on hitting the ball to all fields and I don't know if that's the best utilization of a Chris Bryant. And and furthering the point on the shoulder, we never really got to the bottom of what it was. Yeah. So I'm not sure it's behind him. I'm sure. Yeah, and and that that's the kind of thing that could sidetrack a career. So I I just it's possible because he's so young that you know, he bounces back at an MVP level this year, and it's all a distant memory. But right now, I think the stock is deservedly down on Chris Bryant. All right, and one last question before I have to get out of the podcast room. More likely breakout here, Cody Bellinger or Reese Hoskins? I think the more likely breakout is Cody Bellinger. Because of the steals? I feel like the power ceiling is higher. Okay. And I feel like he has more, like, I think Reese Hoskins was pretty great last year. Yeah. You know? Uh, I, I feel like there's more ground that Bellinger's able to make up than Hoskins. All right. Makes sense. And that's it. For the first of two episodes of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, Scott and I will be back on Friday with a mailbag. So if you want to get your emails on the show, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com is the way to do it. And maybe we'll have an appearance by one Heath Cummings. Whoa, who is that? He, I haven't seen him in months. It's been a while, but he is back in the office tomorrow grinding away at his rankings. I'd like to get Heath Cummings' thoughts. So we'll see if we can get him in. Adam is out for the entire month of January, so you're going to be hearing a lot of Scott, Keith, and I for the next couple of weeks, and I think that's just great. <laughs> for Scott White, 
I'm Chris Towers. Thanks for listening.